There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Hello, Mike Luce, podcasting chairman. Damn glad to meet you. I would like to personally welcome you to Gamma House, the international podcasting fraternity. We welcome most anyone to our little Hellenistic group. Here, we take the Greek life very seriously, putting feta cheese and olives on most everything and trying to maintain the very ideals we learned from all the ancient Greeks who went to college. But before we have you assume the position, there's a few rules we have to get out of the way. First, you must take a new name. You there, the recruit with the tinfoil hat. Ooh. From now on, your name is Peaches. <laughs> Second, in all things, you will keep our most cherished bylaw closest to your heart. Don't get mad. Get even! And lastly, you will keep the art of cinema. Water it, tend it, and harvest it when it is most ripe. But above all, you will keep the openings of your podcast short and Max Mike Movies! That's right. <laughs> Ideas? We're out of them. Both me, the Mike Luce mentioned earlier, and the Dean Warmer of our hearts, Max Eat Me Levine. <laughs> uh, what's with all this nonsensical um, nonsense? It's because this week, as part of Quotes, Unquotes, and Quotes, a series about quotable movies, we're taking a look back at Animal House. Remember that one? Well, we did, and soon, so will you. Before that, however, we have this brief aside. Poll question. We asked, you gave. In our last episode, we queried, who is your favorite cinematic dream team? <laughs> queried. <laughs> You're queried. <laughs> You're queried. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, these, according to you, dear listeners, be they. Dave Mackman, joker that he is, Dave. posted, quote, I always wanted Dolly Parton and the Ramones to make a musical version of The Three Musketeers, end quote. I would watch the hell out of that movie. See, I want to see Dolly Parton as Cardinal Richelieu. <laughs> Seriously. I think it'd be awesome. Would she uh, fit in the cassock? Anyway, uh, that is a, uh, a dream indeed, a very uh, odd Dream about thank you, Dave. Mm. AJ Sheems is up next with his response quote, Love this one. Actor director Paul Thomas Anderson and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh. Honorable mention De Niro and Scorsese. No, oh, sure. For actor and actor, I gotta go with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck combo. Matt Damon! Matt Damon! You know, I'm uh, never mind. Yeah. They do make the cutest couple, don't they? They're adorable. Thanks, AJ. Adam Mark, as always, had a lot of good stuff to post. Quote, the ultimate pairing is The Godfather, 1972, mm. director Francis Ford Coppola, writer screenplay Mario Puzo, and the best ensemble ever assembled, Brando Pacino, Khan Duval, Lane, Casale, Castellano, etc. If this film isn't an argument for the creation of an Oscar for best ensemble cast, I don't know what is. Ooh, that'd be a good category. It would be. Who would get to take it home, though? They all get one. It's the same with the best picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the Academy really wants to make more of those statues. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Adam continues. Cinema approached with capable hands, deep belief in the material, and respect for the and faith in the audience. Whenever I see the film, I get a hankering to throw my entire life away, pack up the car, and move to Hollywood, <laughs> and become a writer, as only the best cinema can inspire. A pairing I would have loved to see would be the director Alfred Hitchcock and actor James Dean. Oh, that's wow. really interesting. That would be something. Yeah. That Dean, of course, work. infamously and tragically died young in an automobile accident in 1955. Hitchcock, respectively, was active until his death in 1980. I think Dean's captivating angst and cerebral approach to acting would have gelled well with Hitchcock's love of suspense and intrigue. Hmm. It's a shame the two never got to work together, end quote. 
As always, thanks, Adam. Yeah, that's yeah, no. wow. That is a dream team indeed. I would Seriously. like to have seen that. Kelly Cooper wrote, quote, Keanu Reeves and his stunt crew. Oh, that's an interesting choice. I like that. I've heard that the John Wick movies came about because he wanted to work with his Matrix stunt team again, end quote. He does sound like a really nice guy, which is driving me insane. <laughs> yeah, but about that role in Much Ado About Nothing, anyway. Whoa, forsooth. <laughs> Whoa, my mustache smells. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks, Kelly. Val Coons, director extraordinaire of the Q Footsteps podcast. That's right. From which we get a hefty payment, oh. offered, quote, Bogey and Bacall. The Zucker Brothers, uh. most but not all of the time. Mel Brooks and his regulars, Gene Wilder, Madeline Kahn, Kenneth Mars, etc. And the group headed by Christopher Guest that brought a spinal tap, a mighty win, at Al, end quote. I never saw it. Al, Al, did you? <laughs> no, but I heard someone at Al. Yeah. Is that at Weird Al? Yeah. I don't know. Thanks, Val, and um, send that uh, check, would you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just kidding, of course. <laughs> Charles Forsyth was next up with, quote, Peter Weller and Judy Davis played a different couple in two different 90s films, and they were hmm. awesome. One reviewer dubbed them the Spencer, Tracy, and Catherine Hepburn of dysfunctional couples, end quote. Peter Weller? Really? Sadly, they never appeared together in another film. Huh. Also, he says, Chow Yun-Fat and Tony Leung. Oh, there you end go. Quote. Good calls all. Thank you, mm. Charles. I would actually go with Chow Yun-Fat and Michelle Yeoh, but that's just me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Penguin Hunter Vince, writing from atop his hunting walrus, Sophie, <laughs> sent us a telegram from all the way up snow. <laughs> On the website, he wrote, quote, I love me a team of Werner Herzog and Klaus Kinski. Oh, cheery. Destructive and contentious as they were, uh, they made some amazing and intense films over the years. I'm going to mispronounce this. Agir, The Wrath of God. Mm. Nosferatu, Cobra Verde, and others have held up no matter how many times I've seen them. End quote. I don't know them, but I'll take those as recommendations. And thank you, Vince. And uh, oh, yes. Because, you know. What about you, Max? Good luck hunting the mighty walrus. No, he hunts penguins. Penguins, sorry, the mighty penguins. Atop the mighty walrus. Atop the mighty walrus? Yes, atop. Yeah. Uh, But what about you, Max? This was your question, so spit it out. Confess! Never! Uh, Actually, one of my favorites is Jackie Chan and Michelle Yeoh. I don't know if I've seen them in anything. Police Story 3, Super Cop. (laughs) Okay. And they've been in a couple of others, and they are awesome together. I mean, quite honestly, Michelle Yeoh with anybody. She really is. Other than that, I would go, I gotta go with Val's thing with whatever, I don't know even what you would call it, but it's the ensemble cast that's in all of those Christopher Guest movies. Okay. Yeah, like A Mighty Wind, Best in Show, mm. uh, For Your Consideration. Sure. They're, they're all terrific, and they just all work so well together. Hmm. Neat. And besides, you know, it gives Fred Willard something to do. Or did. Yeah. Oh, is he still around? I he don't may, know. He may still be alive. I don't know if he's still around. I see. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know. And uh, what about you, Mike? Who's your favorite dream team, super team, super group? Um, my dream team is a weird one in that they only made one movie really together. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, they only appeared together in one other film. And that is uh, John Cusack and Tim Robbins. Oh, I really like them in oh, tape heads. Okay. Yeah, and they are. They actually worked. Yeah, they did. They worked really well together. They did, and they appear together in High Fidelity. 
But I, I, yeah, they're together in one scene. Yes, and he beats and Tron Cusack beats Tim Robbins with an air conditioner, Um, which is worth the price of admission, quite honestly. Uh, And I just, we didn't get to see enough of them. It's, yeah, I I suppose that's not a huge dream team. I just really like them. There's a lot of obvious people here, but you know, and Scorsese and De Niro certainly was good. A lot better than uh, Scorsese and uh, well, we'll just stop right there. Yeah, yeah. You sorry, I'm oh, sorry. Take Something a little drink stuck, to get rid of that, Max. Stuck in my throat. Yeah, Leo. That's all well and good, but to stem the tide of encroaching alien spaceships, we're going to need another answer. What? Uh, yeah. What, what spaceships? What? Hey, I was up late. What do you want? Okay. Besides, I'm in your house. Mm. This time, we have got to know. Oh yes. Who is the actor that you think we lost way too soon? Uh, Someone who you felt just started to reach their stride when we suddenly lost them. Let us know on most of these same channels. But now, we need to get to... The Facts. Budget, $2.5 which is why it was filmed entirely, well, nearly entirely, on the campus of the University of Oregon. Mm. Take, just guess. $141 million. You can see my notes! Yes, <laughs> that is exactly right. You big fibber, don't look at my notes. <laughs> Though to be fair, it is reported that $4.5 million was spent on advertising and marketing, so it's wow. not as big of a take as oh, you think. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, it's not a surprise, but John Belushi did um, a lot of um, improvising. So no! So the entire cafeteria scene, including the <laughs> I'm a zit routine. Okay. Dwayne Jesse, who plays Otis Day, liked his character so much that he... Changed his name to Otis Day, toured and recorded a record as Otis Day with the Knights. Huh. Yeah. Okay. It's a cool name. The Donald Sutherland thing. Ah, no faith. Poor Donald. Thinking the movie would bomb, he took an upfront payment of $75,000 instead of the offered points. Had he stuck with the points, they'd eventually have been worth between three and four million dollars. The thing I wanted to add is allegedly, once the movie was a huge hit, Every year, John Landis would call Donald Sutherland on the phone and say, Hey, Don, guess how much you would have made by now if you had taken the points. Oh. And Sutherland was like, John, leave me alone. Oh, John Landis, everyone's <laughs> favorite story. Well, we'll get back to yeah. him in just a bit. Belushi was a bit of a workaholic. Uh, Animal House mm-hmm. during the week and flights back to New York City on the weekends to appear on Saturday Night Live. Wow. Pity he only made 40 k on this film. At first, yeah, he took points. Smart. Can I have 10,000 marbles, please, honey? (laughs) Stephen First, who plays Flounder, buys the marbles from his wife. Uh, First-timers Kevin Bacon, lead of the game bearing his name, and Karen Allen debut in this film. They'll go on to do some other other things here and there. Mm -hmm. Stop looking at my notes. No. (laughs) Speaking of Kevin Bacon... I'm looking at your notes. (laughs) Stop it. Get on your side of the couch. (laughs) Speaking of Kevin Bacon, I guess it was all downhill from here as he considers this his favorite of the films he's made. He's got like four lines. He entirely had a good time. Okay. I don't know. Who would have thought Dean Wormer was originally aimed at Jack Webb, but he felt the movie would be bad for his image, which at this time was, um, what exactly? Did he have... This is 1978. Did he have an image anymore? Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So, Jack whoa, Webb. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't think that would have worked. I, I think no. But it's an interesting thought. Yeah. This movie did spawn a 
TV show. Yes, it did. Blink and you missed it. Delta House came and went with little fanfare. It lasted 12 episodes. I remember watching that show. Why? They, because, well, first of all, they got like four members of the original cast, not John Belushi, his, his John Blutarski's brother, Blotto, shows up instead was of Pluto. Was it Jim Belushi? I don't know who it was, but I remember watching it because it starred Michelle Pfeiffer oh. as a character called simply The Bombshell. I don't remember I if she see. had any lines. They mostly spent a lot of time putting her in very short shorts, and that's why I watched it. Well, I see they carried the sexism. Oh, yeah, well, get yeah. back, getting back to that. <clears throat> John Landis described Belushi's character, Pluto, as a cross between Harpo Marx <laughs> And the Cookie Monster. <laughs> that actually works. Yeah. That, that actually works pretty well. Yeah. Niedermeyer, everyone's favorite character, is listed at the end of the film as having been, quote, killed in Vietnam by his own troops, end oh, quote. Yeah. Director John Landis included in his infamous section of the Twilight Zone movie ah. a scene where a couple of soldiers are talking about that very killing. Yep. Yeah, if you want to read a very uh, <clears throat> tragic story about Hollywood, oh, look boy. up John Landis and the Twilight Poor Zone. Vic Morrow. Yeah, the shark, never mind. Yeah, yeah. Lots and lots more trivia exists about this perennial favor, but we got a show to do, unless, Max, do you have, you must. I got one other thing, at least. Uh, the guy who plays Niedermeyer yeah. shows up, his, his other famous role is in the Twisted Sister video. Oh, that's right. We're not going to take it as the dad. Otherwise known as Niedermeyer. Niedermeyer, yeah. 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 Twitter. Okay. D. Snyder, thank you for yeah, continuing yeah. the Niedermeyer saga. <laughs> but uh, we have a show to do, and I got a story to tell for those who haven't oh, seen yeah. it. Hit it. And it goes a little, and I do mean a little, like this. It's 1962, and a couple of young swells are entering college somewhere in the United States. What are they to do but pledge to all the best fraternities on campus? Thing is, our heroes are, shall we say, uh, Losers. <laughs> the only house to take them is Delta House, well known as the worst house ever. Instantly accepted, they are welcomed into a life of non-stop parties, debauchery, and getting even. The big problem is Dean Wormer, who, for some reason, wants to run a legitimate school with a nice, clean frats like Omega House. Working together, they have Delta House in their sights, and soon, nothing will keep them from removing that blight from their collegiate life forever. Or is it? Watch Otter, Flounder, Pinto, Boone, Stork, Bluto, D-Day, and the rest of the zany crew as they bring Faber University and its unnamed town to its knees. There are laughs galore, two Fs, wild capers, and loony adventures in this realistic send-up of collegiate living. Oh, and uh, John Belushi. <clears throat> the film. So, the usual question, Max. Yeah. Did you see this when it came out? I honestly can't remember because, well, honest, to be fair, this was movie was rated R. Yes. I don't think I was legally allowed to see it when it came out. Oh, of course you were. Mm. With? With an adult, That's sure, right. but I don't think I, I, I did not want to ask my parents to take me to this just from watching the previews. I know I saw it when I was in high school, so I don't think, I, I must have seen it at a second run. I don't think I saw it. In 78. What about you? Yes, as a matter of fact, oh. I did see when it came out. Oh, how did you manage that? My mom took oh, me. Oh, awkward. <laughs> to oh, this geez. day, I don't, I was 13 when oh. this came out. I okay. have no idea why my mother thought it was a good idea to take me oh, to an opera. It looked like a wacky film. comedy. Well, now here's the thing. 
I grew up in the Northeast, as mm -hmm. did you. And our local PBS station ran nearly first run. I would say they were probably about a year off. They ran Monty Python. Yep. And in Monty Python, occasionally, there would be a large-breasted typist in the background. <laughs> yep. And that was just a thing. Like, mm -hmm. it was not considered a big deal then. Yeah, I'm willing they actually to bet had nudity. Yep. And I'm willing to bet they couldn't do it now because we've come so far. Yeah. So, in a way, because that's really the, besides some swearing, that's really all you see. Yeah. Um, I admit that I can remember seeing some things I didn't understand at the time, like, why? Why did all that tissue pop out of that nice lady's bra? I don't <laughs> understand. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, but I did see it in, I even remember the theater we saw it in. We saw it at the Burlington. Yes. I think, in fact, just thinking of the R rating, isn't there only one use of the F-bomb? I think so. The rest of it's other words. But Which not. is, again, one of the quotes. You, know. yeah, uh, you effed up. You trusted us. Yeah, uh, that's actually not one of them. We'll get to the quotes yeah. later. Mm -hmm. But yes, I did see this in the okay. theater. And I remember thinking it was funny and confusing. You know? <laughs> when you <laughs> well, were 13. my manager. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And it is, of course, a, a film of its time, and uh, as such, it stars um, actors yes. of the time. Many. Would, would we like to do the actors? Sure, let's do the actors. Let's leave the big one for last. Okay. Uh, Karen Allen. Yeah. She doesn't get a whole lot to do. The women in this movie don't get a lot to do. She's the closest one to actually being a character. I want to say that most of the characters, male and female, don't get a lot to do in this film. This, this isn't a character study. No. I mean, this is just, this is a, a wacky, silly comedy. That being said, yeah. the guys, there are guys who get a lot more screen time yeah. and want more lines. But to be fair, we really don't know anything about anybody mm -hmm. except Flounder, his brother, went to this college and was a Delta Pledge. This, you know, was originally a story uh, written up in National Lampoon, the magazine. Oh, because they also explain in the story why uh, Lawrence is called Pinto. Yeah, and there was apparently a deleted scene. Yeah. And I remember when I was a kid trying to figure it out and having... The weird thing is, is I thought, it couldn't be that, could it? And it turned it out, is. yes, it yes. could be that. A Although part of his anatomy has spots. Yes. Uh, Literal spots. His appendix. Yes, and I'm <laughs> sure that too. Because <laughs> as you all know, all horses have spotted appendices. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Karen Allen, she's fine. Yeah. Um, we will yeah. see a little bit more of her a few years later in some uh, yeah. treasure hunting some, film. Yeah, one of those like King Solomon's Mines or some nonsense. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, with Richard Chamberlain. Yep. Yeah, she's yep. in that. Mm -hmm. Sure. Whew, boy, I'm sorry, I yeah. saw that. <clears throat> uh, Tom Hulse. Or, is it Hulse or Hulse? Or as Hulse? far as I know, it's Hulse. Okay. Who we would know later as, you know, Amadeus himself. Amadeus, 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 Amadeus. You're Amadeus. <laughs> uh, yeah, and in this one, he plays the strangely faced young man coming to try and yeah. make his way and, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's the ner he is of the, the two with him and Stephen first, the wimp and a blimp. He is the wimp. Yeah, and he's fine, Yeah, he does I a guess. decent job. He's, he's moist. He's, he's, yeah. <laughs> there is something about him that you just... Think he needs a towel all the time, but he can. He's also fairly likable. Yeah, I mean, at least at the very least, there's a scene where he could take advantage of a young lady who, as it turns out, is a good deal younger than. Yeah, let's, yeah, which, we'll get to that. That's yeah. yeah. 
that under the section of how well did this age. <laughs> um, and so, and there was this, there's a weird little devil angel on his shoulders <laughs> sequence that is... a very is, odd sequence. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. Uh, Stephen First, who plays uh, Kent Dorfman, otherwise known as Flounder. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say in this film, he is second to John Belushi for uh, physical comedy. Mm-hmm. He does some great elastic he, things with his face. He has great expressions. I always liked him. I, he was good on Chicago Hope. I liked him in Babylon 5. Oh, yeah, yes, that's right. He was Vir Koto. Yep. <laughs> Can I have 10,000 Fruschtak here, please? <laughs> um, Mark Metcalf as Doug Niedermeyer. Yep, I hated him. Yeah, he is a character. I mean, he does it really well. He's absolutely loathsome pretty much for the first words out of his mouth. Even when he's sort of putting on the fake politeness. Yeah. That being said, really no depth at all. No, he's just, he's a cartoon villain. There's yeah. a, a lot of these characters are very cartoony. This movie is very cartoony. We'll get to that. Yeah, and I mean, we're almost to the end. The rest, we have Mary Louise Weller, who played Mandy Pepperidge. Mm-hmm. She's fine. Uh, yeah, Martha Peter, Smith is Babs. Peter Riegert is Boone. Yeah, Boone. and here's the thing. He's, to me, he felt like somebody who was about to become somebody yeah. and never, never quite We did. never get there. He never showed do. up in another movie, and I can't remember what it was. Well, for one thing, he was in The Mask. He's oh, a, that's he's what the cop. He's that's the right. one who's going, who's following around Stanley Ipkiss. But he felt like one of those actors, oh, you're going to be seeing a lot of him, and then you kind of don't. And, of course, there's James Widows as, as Hoover. Right. Uh, who I believe the only other thing I remember him from was Charles in Charge. I think he's the dad. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Ah. Is he? Yeah. And, you know, a bunch of other people who are there in the background. But then we got a couple of the biggies. Well, a couple. Like, yeah. like who? Well, we got Donald Sutherland. Oh, yeah. Who, I remember watching this and going, wait, even I know Donald Sutherland is someone. What is he doing here? Um, taking the wrong payout. That's yeah. what he's doing yes. here. Making a bad financial decision. And that's why he had to make Moonfall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the movie where you can't pay me enough to stand up. Do not, do not <laughs> no. see our entire episode on Moonfall. Oh, see our episode, don't see the movie. Well, there is that. Yeah. Yes, and he. the funny thing is, is I remember him being in this movie more than he is. I think yeah. he's literally in three scenes. Yeah, he, he doesn't do much. The thing is, he's absolutely believable yeah. as the cool <laughs> professor yeah. in, who you know doesn't believe in what he's doing and... Sleeps with his students. Yeah. Gets them high. Yeah, that's yeah. a problematic sequence right there. See, I only knew about that in high school. Ooh. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, that's yeah. a whole other podcast, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I don't think he's with and us of course, anymore anyway. we, we got to get to the big one. Yeah, the guy who's ostensibly the star of the movie. Despite the fact he has like, <laughs> well, I mean, maybe 20 words of dialogue. Yeah. If that. He actually gets more expressed through his eyebrows than yes. through his delivery of John words. Belushi. Yeah, in mm. his most Belushiness. Yeah, this was the this was his breakout role for movies. This was the thing that moved him from being a TV star, which he already was, yep, to being a movie star. And what always gets me, I, I always remember a quote from an interview when they were interviewing the entire cast of the Not Ready for Primetime Players. They said, yeah, the main challenge in the beginning was getting Belushi to eat with his mouth. Uh, They always just, the wild man, messy, over the top. That was kind of him. That was actually an aspect of his personality. Hmm. Well, um, I didn't put this into the trivia, but uh, John, of course, had some other um, 
issues yeah, um, yeah. with uh, imbibing things yeah. and they apparently kept him sequestered like he was not allowed to he didn't uh, party move. with the rest of them no and it did apparently work and he was generally for him fairly calm on this on this shoot and he i got to say his physical comedy is really right up there. Yeah, he, it's amazing. It's like the, his body movements, he's a lot more adroit than he gives the appearance he's going to be. He's surprisingly, he always was very surprisingly agile yeah. and uh, coordinated. And, and his face is so <laughs> mobile and so expressive, especially the eyebrows, but all of it. Yeah. Stuff he can do with his eyes, even just when he's yelling, Toga! Toga! <laughs> yeah. That being said... Mm. Um, he is, um, well, the quote I have is, must be tough being a 35-year-old freshman. Yeah, we're supposed to, well, he has been in college for seven years. Yeah, but that would make him 25. Yeah, yeah he's, he's well over older than 25. That, yes. Most but, of the people in this movie are not believable as college students. No, there is this interesting thing, though. If you ever go back and look at, like, high school yearbooks and college yearbooks from back, like, the 50s, 40s, stuff like that, People aged a lot differently than they do now. <laughs> like, you could sit there and look at a high school yearbook from, like, 1935, 1940, and swear these people were heading towards retirement. I, like, don't, know, might, I don't know if it was the haircuts or the wardrobe. And the suits, yeah. Yeah, the they suits, wore a lot of suits. Lot of suits. Yeah. The only one who looks like he could be a college student is Kevin Bacon, because he looks like he's about 11. I didn't say Tom Hulse, too. Tom Hulse, all right, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, and it's funny because he is the star. He, it's John Belushi starring yeah, in National Lampoon's Animal House. Yeah. And the film's not about him. No. Really at all. In fact, if there's a possibility of having either a flat character arc or a negative character arc, mm. that is Bluto Blutarski. Because mm. we know yeah. nothing about him and, and he literally yeah. does not change until the very, very end credits. It'd be hard to say who the protagonist is. I mean, I guess Pinto... Or Flounder. I'm going to go with Delta House. Yeah, the house. Yeah, I think it's the fraternity <laughs> the as a whole. The actual building. Yeah. Yeah. Which it turns out was a uh, rundown house that was literally about to be demolished mm. on campus grounds. But uh, yeah. So an interesting cast with a couple of standouts. Most notably, I would say, John Belushi. Yeah. Um, and not really anybody else. Not that anybody was bad. No, but he's the one who really... Although, I have to say, I really like D-Day. I like the scenes between him and uh, and Belushi. When, when they're both, you know, causing havoc, they play off each other really well. And Bruce McGill, who went on to play a lot of bad guys. Yeah, I can see that. He played the bad guy in Time Cop with <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, aim high. Yeah, yeah. But he tends I to play a lot of heavies. And <laughs> as he got older, he got because he looks fairly menacing in this, and he gets more so as he gets older. I, he actually half the time to me looks like Freddie Mercury, so I don't really? know how. Yeah, he's okay. got the mustache and everything. Yeah. And it's like, eh. I don't know how threatening he was, but okay. sure. I, I thought he was fun, but it's it's true. He, it, Belushi's really the standout. The others are good, but it's much more of an ensemble. Yeah, much more of a team, and in some ways more interchangeable. I mean, the haircuts aren't helping. Yeah. It's nice when some people have light hair and some people have dark hair. And most of the Omega people have light hair and most of the Delta people have dark hair. I don't mm. know if that was an actual on-purpose thing or not. But yeah, yeah. Thank goodness that, like, Tim Matheson as uh, uh, Otter it wears such distinctive clothes because he's easier to pick out because he's always wearing those wild plaids or yeah. crazy golf pants. Tim Matheson, by the way, I knew... 
I know these days more as the playing the vice president on the West Wing. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep. Dang. Well, you know, it's been a long time, it so has. good for him. But yeah, so the acting's decent. It is, uh, before we get too much into the film, it is is an ensemble. Nobody's, nobody's meant to be, I guess, the star, mm. which is an interesting choice. Uh, I'm not sure if that works, but we'll get to that. Yeah. First up, though... The hair! <laughs> oh my god. Uh, co starring oh, the, the hair. 70s haircuts. 60s. 60s? Oh, that's right. They're supposed to be 60s. They Apparently, Landis didn't like the hairstylist, so he took the whole cast just to this barber. The male cast. The male cast, excuse me, to this barber in town and you know, showed him pictures. Can you make them look like this? And the guy goes, Yeah, and one after another. Yeah. He cut their hair. And I'd say he nailed it. Yeah, it looks very sick. It looks it, so it was mostly the uh, the women's hair. Oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. can I take your as, helmet? Oh, it's as right. high as an elephant's eye. <laughs> the amount of lacquer. I don't mean the hairspray. Don't, that's lacquer. hair that could stop high caliber bullets. If I remember correctly, this is a weird aside, but it is connected. Yeah. Um, Barry, uh, what the hell? Barry Williams, who played Greg Brady, yeah, once guest starred on That Girl with Marlo Thomas. Oh, okay, and his comment was, "Her hair was so solid you could bounce quarters off." It. I, I believe that her and hair it, looked like a single piece. Yeah, and that's what this hair looks yeah. like. Um, huge, yeah. Mm. Um, we have um, a college town. Which mm-hmm. literally could be anywhere literally. in the north. Yeah, it's not. It's obviously not the south because no. it's got that fall, moist, cold. Mm-hmm. A lot uh, of people wearing coats. And there's actually a couple of times when I'm like, they didn't shoot any of this in Cambridge. No, no, it's all in. in wherever for some I said reason, it was. it's rough. The uh, mayor is pretty clearly supposed to be a mobster. Yeah, I think he's actually even supposed to be like this is a, a, a weak Godfather reference because mm-hmm. we would have had Godfather two when seventy. Uh, something like that. So, yeah, so this is within... So, yeah, I'm sure that... And the, and the whole horse thing could also be in some way vaguely to that. Because there's a horse in this, and it's not bumpy. <laughs> if only because the horse dies. <laughs> You're so mean. Yeah. He's our mascot. Give me he a does, chainsaw. He does so many nice things for us. Like, poops. Yes. <laughs> Find me something else. There's, there's lots of... of traditional college antics going on here. We have things like... Drinking. Drinking and... Um, More drinking. Drinking. Yes, yes, there is some... Uh, oh, and there's also... Um, drinking. Yes, that. that's right. I forgot yeah. about the drinking. Yeah. Food uh, fights, now, which I, I don't ever remember seeing in actual college. But. I, well, me neither, but of course, I, my college experiences are um, rather, shall we say, thin mm. in comparison. I also didn't go away, which yeah. makes a big difference. Also, as the scene went, Bluto is peeping into one of the girls' dorms, <laughs> Yeah, that's a creepy-ass scene. I'm sorry. It, it It's like, this is, oh yeah, this is basically what men think women do in college, which is have naked pillow fights. Well, and one of my notes is, do women ever really have pillow fights? Is in, that a thing? In their underwear? Yeah, ha-ha, <laughs> giggle, giggle. Okay, I, like, I... I no, that, that's what men want, think, want to think they do. I would love to hear from any of our women listeners, yeah. have you ever been involved in a naked or half-naked pillow fight, and was this a regular thing? <laughs> because every time I've seen it in a movie, it feels like, oh, oh, oh we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna make them have a pillow fight. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, it's just weird. Mm. Um, and I do have a, it's not really a question for the series, but I do have a question. When is a movie 
sexist, and when is it just depicting the feeling of the time in which it takes place? Because... Yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, this is where we get to this. There's a lot of very problematic elements in this movie. Yeah, and the sex... Let's face it, there's not a single woman character in here that's really treated with... What's, what's that word? Oh, yes, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Yeah, find out what it means to me. No, it's yeah. true. They're, most of them, except for Katie, Karen Allen, right? they're all basically there as uh, sexual targets. Right. You know, either that or just the sort of classic mean girl, bitchy sort, like Babs. Right. Or they eventually flash their yummies too late night talk show hosts. Yeah. Two Barrymore isn't in this. Uh, Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's even the bit where a a girl dressed as a Playboy bunny flies through this window onto this little kid's bed. He's reading a Playboy. He looks over at her, looks up at the ceiling, and goes, Thank you, God! Yeah, I didn't uh, put this in the trivia. He eventually became a priest. (laughs) (laughs) Wow! Yeah, and apparently when he did, there was an article, and there was a headline saying, Still thanking God. (laughs) Yeah, so. Um, I want to say, is there anybody in this, any woman in this film that we don't see in their underwear at some point? Uh, And I don't think there is. The lunch lady. Oh, you're right. Oh, and the lady at the counter where she gives him the marbles. Yep, and the uh, and Dean Warmer's secretary. <laughs> I think that's it. But even including Dean Warmer's His wife, wife, who we see Stifler's not, mom. Yeah, so who, basically, in, in some pretty serious lingerie. Very serious yeah. lingerie. No, that's true. Everyone else, all the other women, are are usually half naked at some point. Or yeah, and so, and I have to say, I, I think there are moments. When you can depict sexism to show that, yes, this is the way things were done in this mm-hmm. era. Do you get the feeling that this film is doing that? No, it's That's titillation. It's purely for entertainment. They think it's... They, and it's funny at the time. It was funny in 1970-whatever. Well, why was it funny? Because we were teenagers and, <laughs> oh, oh, and women in their underwear oh. you know, made us feel funny and uh, we yeah. arrested us laughing at us. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think in a, in a way it's really more indicative of what was wrong mm. with the depiction of women at the time than it was any kind of... <sighs> it's also easier to forgive if they make, if the women have more interesting things to do. Which they don't. None of them do. None of them, get, they don't get to do any of the hijinks, they don't get to break anything, or, mm. you know, they, they are, most of them... Except for Dean Warmer's wife a little bit. Most of them aren't funny. No. Although I well, do have to say, the, the, young, the young woman that says, this is the boy who molested me last night. Yeah. Who, she's the, turns out to be the mayor's daughter. Uh, that's right. Her name, by the way, which we are never told in the movie, ah. is Clorette. Clorette? Clorette. That means it's the female version of the male name Chloris. I, it means <laughs> that she has a glistening drop of retsin. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, she actually, when uh, Pinto has like wheeled her back home in the shopping cart and her father comes out and she does this little gr- this smirk and a wave, her physical comedy in that is actually pretty funny. Yeah, but we have a problem with Chloret. Yeah, Chloret, oh boy. Yes, that's a gag, is that when, as she and Pinto are stretched out in a uh, sleeping bag about to... On the 50-yard line. On the 50-yard line, about to have sex, and she tells him, I lied to you, I'm only 13. 
Like, oh, so he's about to commit statutory rape. Comedy! Yeah. Ah. I, that, that is a part that really has not aged well. That's especially, one way of putting it. Especially <laughs> because the next time we see her, the way she has her hair and she's wearing uh, like a co- the, the coat she's wearing, she looks like she's a child. She looks like she's 13. She was The actress was 19. So, phew. Because at one point, being a female character in this film, we see her half naked. Yes. And so that doesn't make us feel... It's like when we found out that... Um, who's your girlfriend? Um... Scarlett Johansson. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. We mm-hmm. get to see her bare ass, and she's seventeen. Yeah, awkward. Yeah. So, um, okay. Uh, so basically, yeah. for my money, this movie is fairly sexist. Well, it's. Ext- I mean, <sighs> we now come to the, the. This is a sequence that is very funny, but also very problematic now, and that is when they go on the road trip. What, wait, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> Max. What, where are you going well, with yes. this? You know, four. Drive me home, big boy. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Don't ever say that again. At least not to me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, They go on a four of them go on a road trip, and they go to the I guess nearby women's college, Emily Dickinson College. (laughs) It's a great. It's a great name for an all women's college. Sure. And (sighs) Otter, the sex maniac, is basically going to fake his way into a date with a woman it's clear he doesn't know. Right. And then discovers she's died and uses that to manipulate another girl, not only to going out with him, but to find three dates for his friends. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. And I didn't notice this at first. At one point, he, they're driving, mm-hmm. and he's like, we're going to go and get this girl. Here's her name. And he pulls out a piece of paper. Yeah. I think the piece of paper is the news article. I think he knew she was dead and was using that on purpose to oh. get the date with the roommate. Oh, I, I, oh, okay. I hadn't thought of that because I didn't give Otter that much credit for being able to improvise. Well, here's the thing. Where, where else would he get the name? On a piece of paper. Wondering. So I think that's to make us really like this character. Oh wow, that that's really <laughs> loathsome. Yes. Well, oh, that's God, okay. That's even worse. Because yeah. besides being a, a using type yeah. of person and playing on people's sympathies to get sex, at least the film then get turns racist. Oops. Yeah. First of all, well, admittedly, this is a a northern college in 1962. It's not exactly a shock that we see no black students. Right. Not, again, but, that that's any kind of excuse. No, but it, it's simply historical fact. Then they go to a, a nightclub where Otis Day and the Knights, who they've hired for you know, to play at their fraternity, is playing, and it turns out to be an all-black club, which was a very much a thing still into the 60s. And that is a really uncomfortable sequence, except most of the characters in there, they aren't stereotypes. They're all just looking like, what are you doing here we don't want you here. You don't belong here. Except for the, do you mind if we dance with your dates? Yes, which is a, is a little quote. awkward. And what happens? The guys <laughs> abandon these women in what, let, let's face it, is a fairly hostile environment and run away. Now we see them walking home. Yes. And so we know nothing happened, uh, except maybe they had a nice dance. Because they're giggling about... Something. Well, we know well, what they're, they're also, doing. They're yeah. about the fact that Otter and the other yeah. woman, whose name I don't remember, although thankfully we don't see her exactly half naked, just getting there, yeah. uh, had sex in the car out in the or, or, or we're in the process of. Right. Yeah, that is a really, again, some of it's really funny. I still like, if I were you, 
I would be leaving. What a good idea. Yes, so, uh, that is one of my well, quotes. The he, thing that I like, though, is when they're doing the scene with Shout, mm-hmm. without a stay in the nights, and it's like everyone's having a good time. Of course, that's at Delta yeah, House. Yeah. But yeah, there's this whole weird... I mean, the film itself ends up being racist, but it's not even a comment on the racism of the time. It's just, let's bring some black people into the film. Although it does, if you, if you want to argue for commentary, it is showing the tension... And the fact that these guys are just clueless. That they don't know what's going on. They don't realize initially. Once they walk in and they realize they're the only white people, I mean, which Pinto says out loud, we're the only white people here. And the looks of terror on their faces. Yeah. Yeah. Then you realize, then it's a kind of at least a nod in the very general direction of the racial tension of the time. Yeah. So, But again, this is a comedy. Yeah, but it's not really funny to say all black people are are dangerous and you should be nervous around them. So, and that whole black club scene is rather racist, but that's okay because at least the rest of the movie is just sexist. (laughs) Well, there's no other races in it except in the very beginning when they go to Omega House and they immediately peg Lawrence and um, whatever Flounder's real name is. Let's face it, his name's Flounder. Yeah. Uh, As people they don't want, they stick them in a corner with an Indian guy, a Muslim, a another sort of nerdy-looking guy, and a, guy, a blind man in a wheelchair. Yeah, that's funny. Mm. So let's insult all these other yeah, cultures at the same These guys, in fact, get time. no lines either. Well, yeah. yeah. So there are parts of there this are, film that are, shall we say, problematic. Yeah. Do you notice the mayor had a lawn jockey? I didn't. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, a black lawn jockey. Yep. Yeah. Because that's a thing. Mm-hmm. I never even understood that. I mean, I understand it being a racist symbol, but why would you even need one of those out on your lawn? Like, mm-hmm. I don't... It was supposed to represent the the servant you would have holding your horse. I don't know why oh. he was a jockey. I was like, whoever had a servant that just held the number of the house no. up on the lawn? No, because the, the classic long jockey is holding a brass ring in his hand, which oh. they would tie the reins to. I don't know why they were dressed as jockeys, because I don't think you would have a jockey doing that. No. But anyway. Eh, whatever. Any of you know, tell us. Yeah, by all means, write us in and tell us all about mm. the thing. They're, the humor is fairly consistent throughout. They yeah. lean a lot on the physical comedy of John Belushi. Yep, but there's a lot of funny dialogue. There is a lot of funny dialogue. There are some quotes, which we'll get to. Yep. Um, there are a couple of weird diversions um, mm. detours out of the main comedy. One of them we mentioned earlier mm-hmm. was the angel-devil thing, where they yeah. actually have Tom Hulse dressed up in angel and devil gear on each of his own shoulders. Yeah, special but, effected in. Yeah, which was weird. Because none of, the, almost none, there's only one other moment. We'll get to that. Yeah, that's sort of cartoony like that. It comes out of nowhere, and it's a little jarring. That one I wasn't didn't find nearly as jarring because mm. there had been a lot of drinking and it's like yeah. okay this is like yeah, some hallucination sort of, sure. okay but then at the end of the film yeah there's a scene where all hell is breaking loose on the town the parade the homecoming mm. parade in yep. town and at one point Kevin Bacon's character who is screaming and remain calm all is well which he and does really well he does very well mm. and he gets overrun by the crowd he gets trampled and then we we cut away. And then we cut back to him in total Wile E. Coyote fashion. His entire body is flat, but his head is still Kevin Bacon. His face is still three-dimensional, 
but he's been flying. He looks like a, like something out of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, right, exactly like and that. And that. That's just weird because it doesn't fit any of the rest. A lot of the other, like, violence or action is kind of cartoonish in that, like, Belushi falls backwards on a ladder 20 feet and and then he's fine. Or he can smash beer bottles on his head without even breaking the skin. Well, Max, those are um, breakaway glass. That's how that yes, <laughs> yes, I, I, I understand. Sometimes that. we have to tell Max <laughs> things because he doesn't know things. Uh, <laughs> I had yes. yellow today. And the funny part is that this is right around the time when beer cans might have been steel or yeah. they might have been aluminum. We're still uh, so that could have been more impressive then. But now it, it's like it's a tin, it's aluminum can. Who cares? Or even when. The sequence in the cafeteria where Belushi is stuffing entire hamburgers into his mouth. This isn't special effects. He was doing it. Yeah. It's really... But you're looking at the amount of food he's eating. It's physically impossible for him to eat that much. That's cartoony. But it's not over the top. It's not animated. It doesn't look like Warner Brothers. But those two scenes... And I, I agree with you. I think the one with Kevin Bacon is more out of nowhere... They're kind of strange, and it does throw things off a little. The other thing that kind of throws things off is mostly this this movie, everything is lighthearted and goofy, and then you have the relationship between Boone and Katie. Right. Where he, you know, first off to the whole thing, I don't know why she puts up with him. Me either. And I do like in the final bits where we get the little blurbs of what happened to them. How Boone and Katie married 1964, divorced 1969. It's like, I believe that. I, the one thing I wanted to look up and I didn't get a chance was, is this the first movie to do that? I don't Give know. Give us like the, the futures of the characters I in it, because it's the first one I remember mm, seeing it, and it's become a thing since. That's the first I remember, since. but I don't, I don't know. It's like added, like, last little bits of comedy, here's what happens to the characters. Yeah. And the most unbelievable one, of course, is that John Blutarski becomes a senator. Yes, senator. <laughs> and, nope, that's not unbelievable at all. No, no, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, th- that, whole, that bit, well, we'll, that's another weird part. At the end, when basically the whole thing is turned into a Marx Brothers routine, okay. where they're just trashing the town, trashing the uh, trashing the parade, Bluto swings down, grabs Mandy, who up until that point has not even spoken to him in the movie. Are they even in the same scene except for the courtroom? They're in the, they're in the same scene at the uh, cafeteria table. She's oh, sitting right, next to right. Otter. He tosses her in the car. He straight up kidnaps her. And then we see them driving away, and she's, like, nestled against him. He's got his arm around her, and we see the caption, Senator and Mrs. Blutarski. And of all of them, it's like, what? Yeah. That's, never mind uh, uh, so problematic, manhandling this woman off, yeah. but it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I like the others, you know, where Pinto ends up as the editor of National Lampoon. Right. Flounder ends up as a sensitivity counselor. I, I my favorite though is D Day whereabouts unknown. Unknown. I you know I actually don't have a problem with them saying he became a senator because mm. a lot of times you hear that people in politics um, had oh, rather interesting. Oh please, President W. He was pretty much. He might as well have gone to Delta. Well, he was Skull and Bones, wasn't he? No, that was Daddy. That was oh, H-W. Oh, oh, he oh. was Skull and Bones. No, no, W. Was you know. Drove his car into a tree, drunk, and had all sorts of frat fraternity. Yeah, but what did he do before he was president? Oh, oh, oh. that was oops. <laughs> He's not listening. No. I'm sure. 
Um, I actually do have a question for you, you, about fraternity life. I did not have an opportunity because the two times I went to school, there was no such thing. Did you ever have an opportunity? Were there frat houses at your college? There were not. Okay. I never had them. They had a couple of like language houses, like if you wanted to live, uh, if you wanted to do Spanish immersion, you could live in Spanish house. Language house. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't quite the same thing. Yeah. Doesn't sound quite as um, raucous and raunchy. No, not really. Right at Spanish table, we learned Spanish. That was one of the things I actually, when I was applying to college, I went to Yale Mm. to look at Yale. I did not get in. Speaking of skull and bones. Mm, Yeah. And that was one of the things I found kind of off-putting. It's like, okay, here's fraternity row. Oh, wow. And then here are the secret societies, like Skull and Bones Um, and the Wolf House. They told you about the secret society? They not only told us about them, they pointed at them, saying, that's Skull and Bones. It's like, aren't you not supposed to know about this? Isn't that what the word secret means? (laughs) That's true. When I was out in Minnesota, there were fraternity houses there. That's when you were in grad school? Yeah, but I mean... You're a grad student. You don't go into. You don't join. You can't join a fraternity. Okay. And uh, I got to admit, a couple of them, they were never quite on the level of Delta House, but some of them, yeah, you'd walk by and you hear incredibly loud music and you'd see empty kegs on the front lawn. Okay. But not not to this degree. So the the college you ended up going to didn't have fraternities. Yeah. Was there ever any attraction? For you of wanting to join one? No, I didn't. Did this movie make you want to join a fraternity? Honestly, watching that movie was like I don't want. I'd never get any sleep. Yeah. They don't sleep. They don't study. I, I don't. I don't understand how they're there. I mean, we see that the way they get their exams is they cheat. Right. No, the fraternity life never appealed to me, especially when you find out about all the hazing. Yeah. And the initiation rituals. Well, now Max, it's not like people. Di- oh, uh-huh. yeah, that's. Yeah, no, no. I'm sorry, what are the benefits of this again? Oh, right, connections. Connections, and uh, sometimes you get a nicer room than you do in a dorm. Okay. I think that, beyond that, you got me. Huh. Well, and I wonder now, because this film, as a comedy, a lot of times they try to make whatever they're depicting either really attractive Mm -hmm. or really unattractive. They're trying to lampoon it, which, you know, might be something to do with the title. Yeah. In this case, it kind of doesn't do either. Because on the one hand, it's like, well, if I wanted to be in a house, I'd want to be in Delta. <laughs> yeah. But except you'd get thrown out of school and nothing would get accomplished. Yeah. But you don't want to be in a mega house because we literally They're don't see them people. do... Yeah, we don't see them do anything except... They sit out front Delta. and be mean. Yeah, and they work with Wormer. Who wants to work with somebody named Wormer? Yeah. The uh, Frank Burns of college. So, I, I don't know. It's kind of a weird... Are they or aren't they? Mm. But uh, one of the reasons, though, that we picked this film, or no, I'm sorry, I picked this film. You picked this film, yep. Is, I this has been a couple of quotes over the years (laughs) that you and I have used. One or two. But um, we might have more than the Mm. usuals. Yeah. Now, generally, I was going to say, you have gone first. Yep, why don't you go first? All right, I will pick... I don't have that many, but yeah. I'm going to bet that we have many of the same ones. One of them is not really a quote because it's written and well, it's it is, early in the film. That is a quote. It's just a written quotation. It's on the statue of the founder of... of yep. Emil Faber. Emil Faber. Knowledge is good. I, lo- I got that one. I like that. <laughs> I anticipate a deeply religious experience. <laughs> yep. Eric Stratton, Rush Chairman, damn glad to meet you, which I, I, we have been using in some form or another yeah. forever. But I also like the follow-up. That was Eric Stratton, and Rush Chairman. He was damn glad to meet you. 
Then, as of this moment, they're on double secret probation. <laughs> Which I think a lot of people, that's when I think that has actually transcended the movie. Yeah. Like, I think that's shown up places here and there and people don't know where it's yeah. from. Yeah. The time has come for someone to put his foot down, and that foot <laughs> is me. Yep, I got that one. Uh, this one, just thank you, sir, may I have another? Oh, no, yep. Yeah. This one I didn't remember. I, I'm not joking. This is my job. <laughs> Poor English teacher. That. Yep. Oh, boy, is this great. <laughs> Which I didn't Several realize. Several times. In, I was going to say it's at least it twice. It's a callback. All right. Together. Yep. Toga, toga, toga. Yep. <laughs> that minx, what a lively sense of humor. <laughs> Do you mind if we dance with your dates? Mm-hmm. If I was in your shoes, I'd be leaving. What a good idea. My advice to you is to drink heavily. Listen to him. He's pre-med. <laughs> Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Christ, seven years of college down the drain. <laughs> what the hell are we supposed to do, you moron? Stork's only line. <laughs> May I have 10,000 marbles, please? Of course. And ramming speed. <laughs> those are my quotes. Yep. I, I, had almost all, I had almost all of those same ones. I also like, you guys playing cards? <laughs> Ooh, 90% rayon. Nice. <laughs> I think I'm in love with a retard. Is he bigger than me? Uh, I state your name. Which we I saw, state your name. Which we already see in Blazing Saddles. Oh, all right. Yeah, I still like, you know, Mrs. Milton. You're talking about John Milton. Mrs. Milton found him boring, too. <laughs> or when they're smoking weed. I won't go schizo, will I? There's a distinct possibility. I love, all right, just real quick. Because we've seen a number of movie depictions of marijuana. Yeah. And I love how it when people who depict marijuana who have obviously never tried it, what they think it's going to do. <laughs> yeah. And the idea, oh, it's going to make me schizo. Um, we, you're either going to laugh or you're probably just going to sort of mellow But out. let's face it, um, Pinto's reaction to being stoned is one of the classics. <laughs> you know, are, you're saying our whole solar system could be like a single atom in the fingernail? Oh, oh God. <laughs> I would know the color blue to you <laughs> is the color blue to me. Yeah, check the crayon box, okay, grasshopper? <laughs> okay. Sorry, other quotes I, you had. Uh, I, I still like, I gave my love a cherry. Smash! <laughs> Ludo takes the guitar, breaks it against... The wall. This, by the way, they do a callback to that in Star Trek The Next Generation. Do they? In the Robin Hood. You have oh, a dopey yes. Q episode. I am not a merry man. Yeah, but <laughs> at one point, Jordy's playing a lute. Worf takes it, smashes it against a tree, hands it back to him and says, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I like, you know, compose yourself, Hunter. We got to get out of here. I already mentioned you effed up. You trusted us. I uh, had that one. Oh, yeah. oh, I do like when Worf... Uh, Dean Warmer is reading the grades. Mr. Blutarski, 0.0. At least one time when I saw that movie, the whole audience said that line along with him. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. I've got the, all, the, same, the same you have for a lot of them. So, now here's the thing. We pulled a bunch of quotes out of here, yeah. but is this a quotable movie? I think so. I mean, there are... It's funny, I don't think there are as many as there are in, say, The Princess Bride or a couple of the others we've done, because a lot of them are due to context. Right. Even the May I Have 10,000 Marbles, Please just doesn't make any sense. And yet we've been quoting it. And yet it we, for... we do. We, we still <laughs> quote it. But since when have we ever been concerned with making sense? No. But I think there are some. I mean, come on, Toga, and like, like you mentioned, Double Secret Probation. 
uh, and you know, do you mind if we dance with your dates? I think they're. I think it's fairly quotable. I wouldn't put it up at the top. I, I'm gonna go with kinda. Huh. I think there's a few lines you can pull out and enjoy, but I don't think this is one of those well written. People are going to be saying these things for generations to come. Kind of quotable movies, certainly not like mm. Casablanca yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So I think that part of the reason that we, or maybe even the main reason that we have been quoting some of these lines for the last forty-five years, <laughs> is because we saw the film more or less when it came out, and so we remember it and it, it etched fun. itself into our young impressionable brains. Yeah. So I, I would say this is one of the weaker quotable yeah. films of this series that we've done so far. That's my. Uh, assessment of it. But I am just about out of notes and we're yep. just about out of time so should we get to that let other us, part? Let us do the other thing. The finish. To Max. Yes. <laughs> I'm not even uh, trying anymore. Well and here's the thing. I can't wait for somebody to go could you please stop saying so Max at the end of your... <laughs> Nobody has. Not yet. So Max. Yeah. Uh, what you saw this... Uh, I did. Few, when you were, I don't know, I 15, 16, something like 17, that. I don't know, yeah. Have you seen it many times since I've then? I've seen it a few times. Two or three times. It's maybe three or four times since. Actually sat and watched it. The whole thing. Oh, yeah. actually sat and watched the yeah. whole thing maybe twice more. Okay. Including one yeah. time that we watched it for this. Yeah. What did you think then? I, back then, I really enjoyed it. When I was young, I thought it was hilarious. I mean... I hadn't seen stuff like this. This was my first exposure to National Lampoon. I didn't know who they were. Mm -hmm. Once I saw this movie, I started going out and trying to get the albums and uh, reading the books. And National Lampoon was hilarious and edgy and very hit or miss. But some of it really worked. And it also just stuns me how many people came out of it. Please note, Max said, was. Well, <laughs> you know, Christopher Guest came out of it, John Belushi, Bill Murray, all these people. I forget, was there a big connection between the Harvard Lampoon and National Lampoon? There was a kind of a connection. I think, actually, National Lampoon, I hope sometimes I get this backwards, had to pay Harvard Lampoon to use the name. That's Because right. Harvard came out with it first. And Harvard I never pays anybody right. for anything. Yeah, yeah, so National <laughs> Lampoon had to pay for it. So... When you saw it, when it roughly run uh, somewhere yeah. around when it came out, yeah. you thought it was really. I funny. thought it was hilarious. I thought it was really funny. And then we sat and watched it today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's your feeling about it today? I still think it's pretty funny, but it also kind of is a little cringe-inducing, as the kids say at some points, particularly with the way they deal with women and the way they deal with the uh, race issues. Mm. Some of it just doesn't hold up. Some of. But some of it is still really funny. I think Belushi is still hilarious. I think the physical stuff is funny. I, I still enjoy what happens to Niedermeyer. I think the horse dying is a little <clears throat> on the edge, except it's so absurd, Yeah. even to the way it's filmed. Well, they just stop. They, they, they literally freeze the footage. And they make a heart attack sound. <laughs> yes. Which is, I guess, what a horse sounds like when it has a heart attack. Bumpy, yeah. no! <laughs> Let's find out. No. <laughs> Get out of his oats. <laughs> so, yeah, I, again, I think it's problematic, but I think it holds up. What about you? When you saw it, what did you think when you saw it with your mom? <laughs> with my mom! This is not a film to see with No, your mom it really is you're like... Why did she let me see this? And she never <laughs> once tried to, like, shoo me out of the theater or yeah. anything. Uh, I thought it was hugely funny. I was 13. I was almost sure. perfect for this film, yes. right? Yeah. Except for the not being straight part, which mm. I didn't even know. Mm. 
And National Lampoon is the kind of thing that I'm sure that you, if you can, as a teenager, get a hold of before you're supposed to. Probably, right? yeah. You know, <laughs> boobs. <laughs> and I'm, I thought it was very funny, and I certainly remember a lot of parts. I know in high school, all of us had seen it, and we all quoted it mm -hmm. in high school. Oh, yeah. um, the 10,000 Marvels, please, has been around since forever for us. I have not sat down and watched this film all the way through probably since sometimes in the 80s. Mm. So on videotape. Yep. <laughs> I do not think it holds up. And oh, here's really? why. Mm. The racist issues, the sexist issues are really kind of huge. Mm. It really this film is this film is a guy film, right? Oh, not a man film, a guy film. Yeah. Remember, don't be a guy, be a man. Yep. It's a bro film. Yeah, and it is Meant for the very people that it's depicting. Mm. White guys in college having a good time at other people's expense. That being that. said, too, especially once you get to the toga party, the film kind of slows down and mm. drags. Huh. And the moments of humor become fewer and further between. A lot of them have to do with John Belushi, and he's not on screen at that point all that much. Huh. So I... I think it doesn't. I think it okay. suffers from its age. I think it suffers from a very narrowness of under world understanding and people understanding. And if this is not a film that you've heard of or that you've sought out, I'd say you're perfectly fine avoiding it. I'm not saying it's a bad film. I just think that there is enough stuff in this film that really probably shouldn't be lauded and continuously shown that avoiding it's just fine. I'm not saying you should actively avoid it but i don't think it holds up that well i think some of the quotes are fun but they actually have more to do with context that we use them in than actually always in the film okay that's fair but again belushi there's not a lot of examples of him in film because of course he died too soon yeah and this is one of this and blues brothers are certainly Probably his best. I can't even. Think I would of think so. I mean, great divide. Well, was that John Candy? Sorry, uh, Neighbors. I think he did, he did a, a surprising number of movies. Not a lot, but more than you think. Yeah. But most of them did not work that well. And he died. Very, well, of course, he's a member of Saturday Night Live. That's what happens when you make movies. You make a few good ones, and the rest stink. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. uh, and he died very early. Yeah. But uh, so hey, Max says, "Hey, no problem. Just keep in mind what you're looking at." And yeah. Keep keep the t the context of the time and the time depicted and the type of movie it is. Because yes, part of it I I absolutely agree is inappropriate and uh, and very problematic. But yeah. I think it still works. But uh, we still have yeah. this poll question thing to do. We do. And uh, speaking of having lost somebody too soon, we would like to know who is the actor that you think that we lost way too soon? Mm. Someone who you felt just started to reach their stride when we just, they passed on for one reason or another. And you can let us know by emailing us directly at us at maxmikemovies.com. And hey, while you're at it, why not give us a comment? Tell us something you liked about the show like mm. Adam Mark did a couple of weeks ago, letting us know that he thought we went a little too far with Dumb and Dumber, and that's mm -hmm. fine. Or you can give us ideas for other shows we might do or movies that we might uh, cover. And it, uh, something we may be thinking about is we have a five-year anniversary coming up, and yeah. we haven't decided what we're going to do yet. So yeah. if you've got any ideas... Yeah. You can go to our website, which is maxmikemovies.com, where we have all of our episodes. You can comment there like Vince from the Mighty North does. Yeah, you betcha. Uh, watch out for those walrus tracks. Mm. Do walruses make tracks? I'm sure they do. <laughs>
Gigs, I guess. Yeah, you can go to our website, maxmikemovies.com, and see all our episodes, well, or listen to all our episodes. You can leave comments there, one way or the other. You can go to Facebook, where we are, maxmikemovies.com. There's mm-hmm. a pattern coming. And you can answer our poll question there or, or leave comments there of any kind of uh, you'd like to. And then if you want to listen to podcasts like you're doing right now, you can go to the yep. podcast app you already went to and find us there. I don't know why we keep telling them this. I don't either. But we're just about done. We've only yeah. got one quotable movie left. Yep. And I've noticed most of the movies we've done have been comedies. Yeah. So I think we should do a drama. Okay. Or at least one that was originally supposed to be a drama. Uh-oh. Yes, this is a towering classic of our time. Oh, God, we already did Towering towering Inferno. Is worrying you're going to do that. No, no, no. No, no, no. this is one which, for some reason, baffling millions has become a very quotable movie and a very popular one. And, of course, it asks the question, So how's your sex life, Mark? Oh, you're not. Yes, we are going to watch... The Room. Can we watch it with Rift Tracks? Yes, because that may be one of the sure. only ways to watch it. I, I checked. I don't think it's available on streaming oh. for some strange reason. Oh, well, that's something anyway. But, Max, yeah. you're tearing me apart. Hi, Mike. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. the Dean Warmer of our hearts, Max Eat.